1: Rob Longo.
2: Hi friends and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets presented by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care providers of the Hornets. Rob Longo with you today after Charlotte's 126-123 to 123 loss in overtime to the Lakers. Yes, it is sadly another silver linings edition of the HHC, but this one definitely has some more silver linings in it than in previous games that the Hornets have had on this western conference trip we'll break this one down provide you with our silver linings also we'll get you caught up on some injury news for the hornets plus we'll try to put things into perspective on this road trip for charlotte as well helping me break this all down and staying up very late with me here in the queen city it's sam Perley, lead writer of hornets.com sam thanks as always for joining me tonight especially on a late Overtime disappointing loss. Not
3: a problem. Thank you again for having me. Again, I wish it was under better circumstances, but it's okay. Like I said, anytime we get to talk Hornets basketball, uh it's all right. So ready to get to it.
2: All right, let's go ahead and recap this one because A, it was a doozy, and B, I'm sure there were fewer eyes on this one with a 10 30 tip here on the East Coast. The Hornets and Lakers were neck and neck for most of the first half, and the first quarter was no different. The Lakers led it twenty to eighteen with a little over three minutes of play in the quarter. At that point, the only players to score for the Hornets were Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, and LaMelo Ball. Charlotte trailed 29-26 heading into the second quarter, and it was just as much of a seesaw as it was in the first quarter. Midway through the second frame, the Hornets were in deep foul trouble. Mason Plumlee and Kelly Oubre each had three fouls. Nick Richards had two Richards end up picking his third foul up right before halftime, so the center position was looking a little thin at that point with some foul trouble as the Lakers led it 61-60 to at halftime. The Hornets opened up an eight-point lead in the first four minutes of the third quarter, though, however, thanks to Terry Rozier.
0: Rebound, LaMelo. He wants to run. Hornets with numbers. Gives to Rozier. Sets his feet. Lets the three fly from the wing. It's good. Rip the net cord. Terry Rozier drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. Timeout, Lakers
2: rosier had eight points already in the quarter to give him 19 points at that point the hornets gave up an 8-0 run late in the quarter though and james borrego was heated about a few no calls and picked up a technical foul with under three minutes to go la closed the quarter on a 24-9 run and led by seven going into the final frame the icing on the cake in that quarter was a buzzer beating half-court heave from former hornet malik monk to make it 94-87 los angeles things just went sideways in the fourth quarter rajon rondo got tossed for a flagrant two foul on Terry Rozier just 65 seconds into the quarter. Those two foul shots got it within 8 for the Hornets, but the Lakers ripped off an 8-0 run to make it 103 89 with 9 minutes to go as Carmelo Anthony had 26 points off the bench by that point for the Lake Show. However, the Hornets charged back. LaMelo Ball notched his second career triple-double with 7 minutes to go in regulation and things got really crazy at the 3:39 mark. Melo got fouled and was heading to the line for two free throws. Then three technical fouls were issued to three different people on the lakers carmelo anthony got teed up the bench also got a technical so i'm not sure who will be losing two thousand dollars there i'm assuming it will be frank vogel and then russell westbrook got a technical foul as well when it was all said and done Lamelo went five of five from the foul line to make it a four point deficit then Miles Bridges struck with less than 30 seconds to go in regulation.
0: Rebound, LaMelo ball, and here come the Hornets. LaMelo flips it to Bridges. Feet set, three on the way for the tie. It is good! Miles Bridges, biggest shot of the year. And we're all even. 115 apiece with 23.7 seconds remaining after Miles Bridges buries yet another Lowe's drilling three bucket.
2: Bridges got a look at the game winner with 1.3 seconds left as well, but missed the mark on a tough look, so to overtime we went. With the Hornets down three, Charlotte had one final chance to tie the game.
0: Hornets with life, down three, 11.7 to go. Ball, Rogier, Bridges, Martin, and Hayward. The five on the floor. Give us to Bridges. He goes to Rogier, rises for the corner three, it's blocked. Caught by Bridges, out to ball, head fake, gives to Martin. He'll fire off the three for the tie. It's off the back iron, and that's it. The Lakers... Survive Hornets fall 126 to 123 in overtime.
2: Sam, we'll get into our silver linings here in a few, but let's go ahead and break this one down first. There were just so many crazy plays that happened, both basketball and non-basketball plays. The Hornets got hit with a few delay of game and defensive three-second calls that resulted in a couple of foul shots for the Lakers. And then there was that crazy sequence against the Lakers that I'd never seen before. And the luck of the Hornets this season would be seeing Malik Monk nailing a fluke half-court buzzer beater, which ultimately ended up being the difference.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's so many plays over the game. I wouldn't boil it down to just one. I mean, obviously, yeah, Malik made a great shot, but I don't. I wouldn't necessarily consider that the, the difference maker. I mean, there were so many things that happened that it could have been anything. It could have been one of those missed free throws. But in terms of um, in the fourth quarter, yeah, I think the Lakers, I forget what the deficit was at the time. I'm sure you said it, but probably around eight or nine and just kind of lost their composure a little bit. I think maybe it was being overconfident and trying to, I don't know, and it just it kind of left the door open and you felt like, OK, if the Hornets are going to make a run at it, this is. When it's going to be and yeah miles obviously hit a big shot and they had a couple shots there at the end and just um just couldn't quite come up with that extra play or two especially in overtime but i think kind of the turning point At least i think the hornets were about up eight in the third quarter and then obviously like you said they had that big run i think it was a 33 to 11 run overall in the second quarter i think the hornets went from up eight to down maybe like 13 or 14. So, yeah, crazy game. Uh, I think the late-game execution was a little bit better. It was something James Borrego pinpointed afterward in terms of in regulation, which is something they didn't do necessarily against the Clippers. So, made progress. You know, it's a little bittersweet, but, you know, you just got to kind of move forward and kind of, I guess, weather these growing pains right now.
2: The one sequence that I just can't wrap my head around is – when the Lakers lost their composure late in the game with under four to go. I have never seen an instance where, you know, LaMelo Ball had his two free throws because of the regular common foul, and then Carmelo Anthony, a bench technical, and a Westbrook technical to give him five foul shots going to the line. You know, Sam, I know you've seen a lot of basketball in your time. You are a basketball junkie. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Because the first thing that I thought of when I saw that sequence and Mello made all five shots, I kind of went back and Sam Farber referenced this too in a broadcast to the Golden State game last year where Draymond Green got double technicals and Terry Rozier ended up hitting a game winner against Golden State.
3: Yeah, that would probably be the best example I could think of. That's actually really good. Obviously that one was a little bit different because I think it was right at the end of the game, but this one certainly I'm looking at the play-by-play was about three. It was 3.39 left. Yeah, and like you said, they had the, the regular foul. It was actually a delayed game foul when Carmelo Anthony walked through the lane and then got the foul afterward. the technical foul afterwards, something different. So I can't even be even looking at the play-by-play here. It's like Kind of hard to wrap your head around all, everything that happened but yeah cut the lead from nine down to four and just really kind of open the door and the hornets took advantage of it obviously couldn't close it out so it's a little tough but i think you certainly have to feel better about the way they finish this one even if it was kind of ending in a heartbreaking fashion you have to feel better about how it ended than you did the clippers game because that one when the Clippers went on their big run, they never came back. I mean, it went from, what were they, up nine to down 17 in a few minutes. I mean, you know, I know we're all about silver linings here, and that's not my official silver lining, but I think you got to be pleased somewhat with, just how they responded there at the end of the fourth quarter to at least give themselves a chance in overtime. When
2: it's all said and done, the leading scorer tonight for the Hornets, Terry Rozier, had 29 points despite going 3-10. of From beyond the arc, he finishes 11-22 of from the floor. LaMelo Ball, like I mentioned, a triple-double. He finishes with 25 points, 15 rebounds, which is a career high, and then 11 assists as well. On the other side for the Lakers, Anthony Davis did the heavy lifting. He had a game-high 32 points. DeAndre Jordan had a pretty good game as well. He had 10 points. Points. It seemed like the bigs, of course, Sam, had a pretty big role to play for the Lakers, but because this Los Angeles team is just so banged up, they ended up going 11 players deep, which I thought also didn't help the cause considering that the Hornets were on the second night of a back-to-back as well.
3: Yeah, that was definitely to their advantage. I noticed that early. and it, It was a weird kind of 11 deep because it felt like DeAndre Jordan has been playing... I mean, they played him for 11 minutes, and I think he played a little bit into the second quarter, and then that was it. He didn't play again for the rest of the game, and then Rondo obviously got ejected at the end, and then, so yeah, it's a little bit of a different strategy, too, and I think when you have an older team like the Lakers, who I think I think they said the average age on the broadcast is something like 31 or 32 years old, so I think this is what you kind of have to do if you're Frank Vogel. you got to, you know, you've already kind of dealing with a lot of injuries, you have the... The injury to LeBron James right now, and I think Anthony Davis is also banged up, and he played 44 minutes last night, so I think that's kind of the strategy for the Lakers this year, is you've got to go a little bit deeper into the rotation and really, really be mindful of the minutes, especially even this early in the season, because you know, the Lakers, the way they're kind of constructed, their eyes are on winning a championship at the end of the year. So uh, I did think that was interesting. It definitely played to their advantage. I think there was a lot of different – they really took advantage. They had a lot of good shooters out there on the court. And then the size stuff, I think, really kind of felt like the Lakers were getting to the free throw line a lot in the first half with Nick Richards and Mason Plumley in foul trouble. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's just sometimes it's kind of a tough matchup, but I thought the Hornets, for the most part, kind of worked their way around the sort of 11-man rotation Los Angeles used.
2: Hornets ultimately fall 126 to 123 in overtime to the Los Angeles Lakers are now 5-7 and seven on the regular campaign and have lost five in a row, but not all is lost. We will provide you with our silver linings next. There were a lot of them, spoiler alert, and we'll talk about that next right here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. I'm not
0: anti-aging. I'm pro looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense.
2: Rob Longo and Sam Perley of Hornets.com with you following Charlotte's 126-123 to 123 overtime loss in Los Angeles last night. Hornets get an off day today, or well, a half day by the time that the Hornets end up flying towards the East Coast and end up in Memphis. So give it a take, maybe a day of rest, if that. With that said, Sam, let's go ahead and hand out our silver linings. As the guest of honor, as always, I will let you go first.
3: My silver lining is going to be Terry Rozier. He's had kind of a tough start to the season with the injuries, and I think by the time he got back, you know, it was a t- you know there's more talent around the team. Um, maybe it's a little bit harder to kind of find his spots, find his shots, find his rhythm. So it's been a tough go for the first two weeks, but I thought he was really good. Made I thought he was really good in the Clippers game because he made a lot. I felt like he made a lot of plays in the second half. Shots weren't necessarily falling, but he was really rebounding, facilitating, making some defensive plays. But last night, 29 points at the season high, shot 11 of 22, two rebounds, three assists, had a steal in there. Uh, was really, really good. And I think that's exactly what the Hornets have missed maybe these first couple weeks is, you know, he had some big shots there in the fourth quarter. I think he had a couple buckets in overtime too. So to get Terry Rozier going, to get him paired with LaMelo Ball in that backcourt, who obviously had a big game as well uh, with the triple-double, I think is really, really huge. Definitely something the Hornets have been lacking. And they, I think it's good to see Terry starting to find his rhythm a little bit. But thought the Clippers game was really good. This one was obviously his best performance of the season thus far.
0: Hornets by three. Ahead to Rozier. Catch and shoot three from the wing. It's good. Buries it. Terry Rozier drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. His second of the game, and he's got 16. Hornets out to their largest lead of the night, up six.
2: Obviously, that lead did not last there in the third quarter because of that long run that the Lakers were able to accomplish. But Sam, I completely agree with you about Terry Rozier. Something I talked to Sam Farber about on the end of the broadcast on our postgame show two days ago on Sunday after the Clippers game was, you know, Terry had a double digit scoring day. I don't remember exactly how many points he had off the top of his head. It wasn't a great three point shooting day, just like last night wasn't when he went three at 10 from beyond the arc. But I asked him, is Terry starting to round the corner a little bit? just because you know he had two ankle injuries i mean he had the one in the preseason then he re-aggravated the other ankle and he just for no pun intended he wasn't really on level footing with that said so he's finally starting to get back into form it seems like 29 points doesn't lie in that aspect my silver lining you left it open for me i'm gonna go with Lamelo ball second career triple double you know it, to me it's just lamello has been doing everything on this road trip so far i don't know if it's you know just him peaking right now at the right time or if it's him being back home in his native california i don't know what it is but i think Lamelo ball has just done everything possible to will this team to victories unfortunately it hasn't come yet but it just seems like the hornets are just beating down the door on this five game losing streak every time they go out and play
3: yeah Lamelo was incredible i mean like you said 25 points i mean the 15 rebounds how many live ball rebounds he got and was able to kind of push the tempo um 11 assists Um, Only had three turnovers, too, and I thought his decision-making and his composure in the fourth quarter and overtime was a lot better. Actually, I should say for the whole game, another good sight to see, only two fouls. I know the foul trouble has kind of been an issue with him early this season, especially in the first half, and it kind of takes the team out of his rhythm. I thought it was a really, really, numbers aside, just the way he was able to kind of control the game, his feel, facilitating, I thought it was a really, really... Mature performance for LaMelo Ball. And like you said, yeah, it's been tough. I mean, this road trip, it just feels like it's just a couple bad stretches in some of these games. I think, you know, teams go on runs, there's a couple shots, and it's just, it's hard to kind of regroup themselves a little bit. It's still early in the season. You're still trying to kind of find your way and to be on such a long, hard, trip thus far into the Western Conference against some teams like Golden State, who's on fire right now, who's Sacramento, who's playing better. The Clippers are playing really well right now. The Lakers still obviously stacked, even without LeBron James. So, you know, it's a tough time. You obviously want to get wins right now, but they got to be looking at the silver linings, just like we're doing right now.
2: As crazy as it sounds, every starter for the Hornets last night was a positive in the plus minus. Three of them were double digits. The bad news, though, is the bench for the players that were out there for the Hornets, three of them coming off the bench or double digit negatives it all adds up to a 126 to 123 loss for the hornets in overtime the bench is going to have to step up a little bit here because charlotte did not get good news on the injury front yesterday with pj washington but again we will put things into perspective as well with the way that this West Coast trip has gone as Sam Perley mentioned as well. We'll break that all down next here on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta.
1: Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today.
2: You know, I liked our fight out there, especially being down. The crowd was into it and we fought our way all the way back. So I like that fighting spirit. You know, we got we to take that into Memphis. But, you know, just a tough one. Um, felt like we had our chances. Probably gave them too many runs. A couple runs there where they went up, you know, 8
3: to 10. And then we had to try to claw, claw our way back but like i right. said
2: that's Gordon Hayward after Charlotte's 126-123 loss in Los Angeles last night. Rob Longo and Sam Purley with you here on today's edition of the HHC. And Sam, like I mentioned, the Hornets did not get the greatest of news on the injury front yesterday. P.J. Washington underwent further evaluation yesterday. He is going to be listed out officially moving forward with a hyperextended left elbow that he suffered back in the Golden State game on November 3rd. He's going to be reevaluated next month. Monday. He's still going to do some individual skill work and, you know, updates will come periodically as he progresses in his rehabilitation from that hyperextended elbow. Sam, just wanted to get your thoughts on this. What happens with the bench moving forward? Because it seems like the Hornets really missed PJ out there the last couple of games now. Like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, I thought that the Hornets really missed him in that Boston game way back at the very, very, very beginning of the season. And Sam, on a personal note, I've hyperextended my elbow before. It is really painful and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But all in all, what does this do for the team and the bench moving forward?
3: Yeah, well, P.J.'s been a great player for the team. He's really developed into – he's really settled into that backup center role very nicely. His defense has taken a big step forward, especially last season, and his floor spacing too. I mean, he's a guy that can hit – he can be a 40% three-point shooter. So uh, without knowing all the specifics of the visiting – the doctor i think in los angeles yesterday um you know it sounds like you know nothing is torn i don't know the exact and maybe you can probably provide perspective on it um hyper extended i mean the good thing is it's not on a shooting elbow it sounds like he's going to be able to do some skill work he's going to be out a few games but you know this is going to be a big chance for nick richards to step up and play a lot of minutes he played 16 last night he played 18 i think against the clippers so i thought he's looked better i think there's still some growing pains he still has this is the first time he's ever played really significant minutes in the NBA. So I think it'd be just not going to put a whole lot on his plate. It's going to be rebounding, setting screens, um, finishing at the rim, just kind of little stuff like that. Um, I think this was a big challenge last night with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, some of those guys. And I thought, you know, Given the circumstances, Nick held his own. So, you know, other guys are going to have to step up. You know, it's just kind of the nature of the the NBA. We saw it last year, seeing in the NBA right now. There's Colin Sexton's gone down from Cleveland. They've got to have somebody step up. Jalen Brown's going to be out a couple of weeks for Boston. Patrick Williams is out for the Bulls. So everybody's dealing with it with dealing with it right now, and uh, it's unfortunately the nature of the game. And uh, on the bright side, it's going to provide an opportunity for someone like Nick Richards to step up and get more of those minutes. And I would also add that Mason Plumlee I thought was really good last night, too. Kind of, you know, he's playing through maybe a rib contusion that. Was kind of bothered him going into the Clippers game, but double-double, I thought was really good, getting down a lot of big, key, contested boards. So we'll see how the team adjusts moving forward, for sure.
2: Mason Plumlee played really well in the second half last night, despite being in foul trouble. He didn't foul out until there's 50 seconds left in overtime, and keep in mind, he had three fouls going into the locker room at halftime with that said. So, Sam, one more question. Point that I wanted to get across here with the whole P.J. Washington situation is it seems like we're going to see Miles Bridges in that small ball five role. He played a little bit of it last year. He fluctuated between the four and five just in even the three at times because of all of the injuries that the Hornets had going down the stretch last season. So at one point, Miles was playing almost three positions here and there. But at that rate, you know, P.J. Washington has been established as that small ball five coming off the bench. Do we get to see a Kai Jones at some point? Because all indicators on his trip so far would be no.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly possible. I think, you know, I don't want to necessarily speak into existence, but I think if Mason and, and Nick were to really get into some foul trouble, you could possibly see it. But I think kind of the stance with Kai right now is they're taking their time. He's a little bit of a project I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised when they get back to Charlotte if he goes and spends some time in Greensboro at some point when the schedule allows it. So I think the opportunity is going to be there down the line, maybe not necessarily right now. Um, I think the Hornets are pretty comfortable with the way the rotation sits. I think they are like keeping it at nine to ten guys and, you know, experimenting with Miles at that small ball center. Obviously, it's a little bit of a liability defensively, depending on the matchups, but whole lot of fun on offense i mean if miles is at the five i mean you get out there you've got terry you got Lamelo, gordon uh maybe cody martin in there maybe jalen maybe kelly uh it's really going to help your offense i think you know in providing mismatches on that side so and with miles's floor spacing so we'll see kai jones at some point down the line you know maybe it's in memphis tomorrow night who knows so we'll see but i think jb knows he certainly has to be ready i think kai knows he has to be ready so i guess we'll just have to wait and see
2: Hornets currently on a five game losing streak that started back here in the Queen City but Sam when you take a look at the teams that the Hornets have played the last five games it is a lot tougher than it looks I mean Cleveland has kind of come out of nowhere a little bit there was that 113 110 loss here at the Hive before going out for five straight games you got the Warriors who are nine and one off to one of the best starts in their franchise history Steph Curry dropped 50 points last night he's the oldest player to have 50 and 10 assists at the ripe old age of 33 then you team that just shot lights out from beyond the arc and then you got a Clippers team who played pretty strong defensively there was just one bad stretch there in that third quarter where the Hornets got out of it and then you got a Lakers team like we've talked about in the first segment where it's yeah they are six and five now they are dealing with a lot of injuries they aren't full strength but they were able to go 11 deep they had a day off in between games they were able to sleep in their own beds and that sort of thing so I think when you put this road trip into perspective Sam a lot of times it gets lost the little things like that and And then you gotta take almost a cross country flight after going on the second night of a back to back. You get maybe twelve to fourteen hours off before you gotta flip the script and you gotta play a really good Memphis team. So this road trip has ended up being a lot more difficult I think than some people have initially thought.
3: Yeah, you know, I think Winning on the road is obviously really challenging in the NBA. Winning in general is really hard. You know, every team is very, very good. There's great players on every team. And, you know, if you don't play well one night, you can lose. And if you play really well, you can win on any given night. So uh, looking at the standings right now after last night's game's wrapped up, you look at the teams that the Hornets have faced or will face on this road trip. Um, Golden State, like you said, Memphis, Clippers, and Lakers as the season ended today would all be top eight seeds in the Western conference and Sacramento would be in the playing game at number 10. So really challenging stretch. And I think, you know, not only is it being on the road, you're still kind of working Terry back into things, um, you know, dealing with the, the PJ injury and then kind of working Nick into it. So it's, it's challenging to kind of, you know, make these adjustments, you know, would this trip have been easier midway through the season, maybe, you know, you don't necessarily know that um, you could have more injuries then, you know, so, you know, it is challenging. And, There are a lot of silver linings, podcasts we've had to do on this road trip, unfortunately, but all in all, the team is making progress. I feel like, you know, I'm confident they've got the guys, they've got the coaching staff to kind of turn this thing around. It's still very, very early in the season. I don't think there's any reason to panic. Fingers crossed they can make some adjustments and really, you know, go into Memphis, play well, and go home feeling good because it's been a tough road trip, but closing out with a win would feel really good for sure.
2: It is a marathon and not a sprint for a reason. Hornets again fall 126 to 123 last night in La La Land against the Lakers and will be on the road one final time in this Western Conference road swing, wrapping up a five-game Western Conference road swing in Memphis tomorrow. Sam Purley of Hornets.com, thank you so much for joining me once again on the HHC. Like I said, especially late at night.
3: Thank you for having me as always. Hopefully we can close out this one with a win tomorrow night. And thank you for having me as always. A
2: win tomorrow night would certainly go a long way. Once again, thank you to Sam Purley for joining me and 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 thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. Sam Farber will be back on the HHC to preview the Memphis game tomorrow for you with Kyle Bailey of Sports Radio FNZ. You can catch that one, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you are listening to this one right now. So once again, for Sam Burley, I'm Rob Longo saying so long and thank you for checking out today's edition of the HHC. And we'll see you right here tomorrow once again on the Hornets Hivecast.